listening to If Not For Music, coming to you from the Podcheck Studio in Fort Worth, Texas. On today's episode, we've got a very special guest. This man was co-founder of a group that put out such a unique sound back in 19, actually 75, but the, the song did not hit the charts until April of 1976, but it was such a unique sound that by July, it had raced up to number three on the Billboard Hot 100. The man is Mr. Bruce Blackman. The group, Starbuck, and the song, Moonlight Feels Right. Moonlight feels right. Moonlight. We're going to talk to Mr. Bruce next on this episode of If Not For Music, so stick around. This is Big Skinny with the Podcheck Studio in Fort Worth, Texas. You're listening to If Not For Music. This is where we celebrate all things 70s and 80s. If you like what we're doing, please like and subscribe to our podcast. You'll be alerted each and every time we put out something new. So without further ado, let's get to it. We have on the line, Mr. Bruce Blackman. How you doing today, Bruce? Doing well in the big Atlanta. The big Atlanta. What's the weather like out there today? It's about 70 degrees, much cooler than normal. Well, don't you guys have to usually deal with that hot, humid summer? Oh, for sure. Yeah. But not as hot as Texas. Uh, I've been there many times. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it gets hot here. Um, we we kind of, July and August are really our hottest months, but we don't deal with the humidity in, in, in July and August. We we have to deal with that like right now. So we, we got those 85, 90 degree days in the humidity, so it kind of sucks on, during the springtime. But summer, you know, you get used to it after a while if you've lived here your whole life. Yep, yep. I have a lot of relatives that live in Texas. Really? Nacogdoches at the right. That's why you pronounce it. Nacogdoches. Nacogdoches. Okay, Nacogdoches is the one in Louisiana, right? Yeah. I always get yes, mixed up. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, Bruce, I, I've, I've watched a lot of your interviews over the years. Um, kept I really kept up with you guys because... Back in the day, this is and this is one of those. You know, I saw an interview where someone had told you, a doctor had told you that her friend, you know, had had told her that was her favorite song. She had leukemia and she died in her arms singing that song, "Moonlight Feels Right." So, I saw that interview and it just kind of touched a chord with me because my older brother uh, was a huge music fan, had the biggest record collection I knew of. I was a teenager and uh, he introduced me to this song when it came out. And I lost my brother back in 1984. I just graduated high school, and he was 25 when when he uh, when he passed away. And so that song really means a lot to me because it's one of those songs that he introduced me to. So I really really loved the song. Oh man, I, I'm really sorry to hear that. And that doctor, uh, when she told me that story, I, it was I mean it was just earth shattering. You know, made my knees shake. You know, and that's something about when you put out a song, you don't know what that song is going to do. You just throw it out there and you're just, um, for me, the power of music has always been something very great. It can do a lot of different things. And I think that's why it's so big in, in uh, you know, churches, because music has a way of stirring the heart and it, it provokes thought and emotion. And I think that's why it's used so widely in church. But it does, you know, beyond the church, it, it moves people in, you know, mysterious ways. You never know what a song is going to do when you throw it out there. That's exactly right, and, and, and nobody has the, the faintest clue what a hit song is. There's, there's a, that's why they release so many stiffs, especially the suits at the record companies. You know? When we did Moonlight Feels Right, they wanted to take out the marimba solo.
said the song was too long. <laughs> and some somehow I had the courage to say, no, I'm not taking the, I'm not taking the marimba solo out. That would have been a huge mistake. Well, yeah, that was the thing that separated your song from every other song out there. There's never been a song like it since. Yeah, yeah that's especially to, and there's never been a marimba player that could play like Bo Wagner. No, that he, was, he, he, he was, did that. That solo was a one take improv. That was that was a uh, very talented and and you know I was listening to another interview you did and he was telling about the way you guys mic'd up that marimba to get that sound. It was just it was freaking amazing the way that that song came out. Yeah, it was. I remember when the, when Bo did that solo, it was absolute dead silence in the control room. <laughs> he did it. Uh, the Leonard Skinner was behind us, uh, waiting to come into the studio. We had to do everything in a, a rush. But when he did that solo, man, it just—it was—it was church reverent silence in the control room. Everybody was just stunned. I've, I've listened to a lot of your interviews over the years, and I've, no one's ever really delved into your your childhood. You know how how you grew up and, and got into music. Can you give us a little bit of background on your childhood? Yeah, I grew up in Greenville, Mississippi, in the Mississippi Delta, right on the Mississippi River, uh, and I got into music in the fourth grade when I won a Tonette playing contest. Uh, it was a citywide uh, contest. Green was like 40,000 people. It wasn't like citywide Atlanta. But I won the contest. Uh, I played the Flight of the Bumblebee on the Tonette. Everybody else played Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. <laughs> and uh, I, that's when I started writing songs when I was in the fourth grade. That's what got me into it. Who was your musical influences growing up? You know, from from a songwriting standpoint, it wasn't until years later that I realized that the one that influenced me the most from a songwriting standpoint was Burt Bacharach, because I found out that all those songs, especially the the girl the girl songs, uh, had been written by Burt Bacharach. Uh, musically, probably, uh, uh, I would have to say Dave Brubeck, from the standpoint of. Uh, uh, just playing and, and trying to master a, a keyboard. And of course, I like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and the Dave Clark Five and and, and and the Zombies, what everybody else likes. But but just from a musical influence, those would be the ones. I'm guessing you had a pretty big you know jazz influence because a lot of your music has a, a smooth jazz feel to it. Um, but you know, I, to be honest with you, your your, your music touches many genres i was listening to your new single and it has more of a country feel to it and I, I mean i dig it yeah well i recorded that in nashville at the famous county q studios with a who's who of country musicians that probably that have played on 50 or more country hits well you've got to tell the story of moonlight feels right this is all about your now wife but at that time you were trying to woo this girl so tell us the story about the song moonlight feels right I saw a photo in a newspaper. Of, uh, it was actually hanging in a dorm room when I was playing poke of girls in a beauty contest. And this one girl in that shot was a young Elizabeth Taylor, knockout beautiful. And I went, wow. I found out where she went to school. And so I went and registered at that school for the sole purpose of seeing if I could get a date with her. I asked her out twice. She said no both times. The third time I asked her out, uh, we were coming back from a pep rally, and she was walking up in front of me. It was a slight wind blowing. And I walked up beside her and, and asked her for a date, and she said yes. So years years later, I'm sitting with my mini Moog in my apartment playing oh, uh, da, 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 that 
little intro riff, and I just started singing, and I just thought about asking her out for that date with the wind blowing, and I sang, the wind blew some luck in my direction. I caught it in my hands today. I looked up at the TV. I had the TV on, but the sound was off. I looked up, I saw Gene Hackman. And the movie that was playing was The French Connection. And I immediately sang, I finally made a tricky French connection. You winked and gave me your okay. And then the rest of the song was simply about uh, one of our dates. I had an old ragged out MGP convertible. And we went to a lake in Mississippi. Bright moon was shining. Put the top down, dropped the top. That's that's where the song came from. was basically uh, just that true story about meeting her and... The wind blew some luck in my direction I caught it in my hands today I finally made a tricky French connection You winked and gave me your okay I'll take you on a trip beside the ocean And drive the top of Chesapeake Bay Ain't nothing like a scattered dose of potion The moon will send you home Feels right Moonlight Feels right We'll lay back and observe the constellations And watch the moon smiling bright I play the radio on southern stations Cause southern bells are hell at night You say you came to Baltimore from Ole Miss A class of 7-4 gold rain The eastern moon looks ready for a wet kiss To make the tide rise again Moonlight Feels right Moonlight Feels right
Now, speaking of a tricky French connection, it took a, a, a really good connection to finally get your song to make it on the radio airwaves. You you and Bo had traveled and you had tried to promote your single. You'd bought like 500 copies from the record company and you were trying to promote your single. So you were going out to these cities, um, looking for radio towers, figuring out what kind of music these stations played, went major visits. Tell us about the one visit that really paid off. That was a WERC in Birmingham, the last record left we had left. And uh, Mike St. John was the program director met with him and he listened to it and he said, man, this is a really good song. He said, but this is, this was in September of 1975. And he said, but this is not a fall winter record. This is a spring summer record. He said, I'm going to put it on the air next spring. Well, I thought it was just a nice way of saying no, you know, but he did. He put it on the air in Birmingham the following spring and it, and it just exploded from there. He called the record company and said, this song is, is a hit. Y'all need to get some product into the market. So the record company got product into the market and it sold like 25,000 copies in Birmingham. And at that point, uh, the record company realized they had something and then they uh, went to work on it and spread it out to the other stations. They'd only sent it out to about 20 stations and it took off from there. And it raced its way up to number three on the Billboard Hot 100. Yep, uh, the only reason it was number three was because uh, our label, Private Stock, had some big argument going on with RIAA, that's the Record Industry Association of America, which is the company that certifies sales. Private Stock would not report our sales to them. So when it came to the charts, you know, essentially the way the charts work was the number of airplays plus sales equals the number. The largest number is number one, second, and so on. Well, our sales are always at zero. The number of airplays plus zero, whereas everybody else had sales. If it wasn't for that, I think Moonlight would have been number one for several weeks. Starbuck had some bad luck when it comes to record companies. Um, yeah, that was about the worst record company. I mean, the reason we went with them is it's the only one that offered us a deal. Uh, all, all of the major labels turned it down. They said it wasn't Southern Rock. Tell me something I didn't know, you know. We didn't want to be Southern Rock. It was already Southern Rock band. And, and disco, you know, two years later, they were burning disco records. But that's the only option we had. So the first record deal we got was with RCA. Okay. That was pre-Moonlight Feels Right. But but they dropped us. And then we put we broke that group up. And then Bo and I put the second group of, of Starbuck, we put together in Lukenbach, Texas, on the on, uh, Hondo Crouch's Ranch. That was version of Starbucks. And when, when that group broke up, we were we were going to go on tour with uh, uh, Jose Feliciano. That fell apart, and that group broke up. And, and it, then Bo and I went on with with the, the Starbucks that did Moonlight Feels Right. The bass player in Luke and Bach was Bud Cockle, who went on to form a group called Pablo Cruz, and the drummer was Tommy Aldridge, who went on to with a group, the former group called Black Oak, Arkansas. And then later on, he uh, went on tour with uh, Ozzy Osbourne. So that was like a who's who there. <laughs> yeah, it really was. <laughs> it really was. That was that was some time we, we lived in Lukenbach, stayed there for oh, about, probably about six weeks, rehearsed in a barn. Uh, it was a fun time. So what country music were you listening to to get that country flair? None. Just, just, <laughs> just came to you, huh? Yeah. I wrote, uh, if you're talking about uh, I Love Doing Nothing, 
a new single. I, I, I was uh, sitting in a gazebo on Sanibel Island, Florida, and I was just looking out over the ocean, and I noticed you could see it to the horizon, you know, and I just saw all the layers of blue and the, uh, uh, you know, the line, the ocean calls my name in 20 shades of blue popped in my head. And I just thought, was just sitting there thinking, man, it just feels great sitting here doing nothing. And then the song just rolled out of my head. I mean, it wrote itself. So you're laying there. I'm, I'm guessing you had your iPhone or something handy where you could uh, record it before you forgot it? Uh, not really. I just, I, when we came home, I sat down. I, I really wrote the whole song in my head, chord changes and everything. And then when I came home, I sat down and uh, the keyboard and stuck a little digital recorder up there and, and played it. How did you come up with the rest of the arrangement? putting the steel guitar and all that to it? Well, that was just a function of, uh, of producing when, when I was in the studio in, in Nashville and just went through several different possibilities. And the players were so good. That's why I ended up doing a three-instrument solo. I started with uh, as, as the bridge. I started with an acoustic guitar and then to a fiddle and then to a steel. But I just liked the way all those guys played. It sounded really great. just had such a smooth feel to it. And I'm listening to a, a lot of your music, and you have a, a jazz. It's like a smooth jazz sound to it. Was there a specific influence on that style of music to you? Well, see, when, when I won the Tonette playing contest in the fourth grade, my music teacher told the junior high band director about me, and he came over to the elementary school, handed me a trumpet, and he said, you're going to be my first chair trumpet player. So he worked with me. He would come over once or twice a week and give me lessons to the elementary school, um, and so I, that was my first instrument was trumpet. And of course I was listening, playing marches and big band stuff and, and jazz. And that's, that's really where that, that, uh, influence okay. came from was because of, uh, playing trumpet. Now as the seventies rolled around and you guys were working on your music, was there any influences of the seventies music or the sixties music that was, you know, prevalent in your music at that time? You know, I don't know. I, I there were, I remember somebody hearing one of my songs, and they said, man, obviously Steely Dan has had a big influence on you. I'd never heard of Steely Dan. So I went out and bought a Steely Dan album, and I could I could kind of see that because he used, you know, Fagan uses a lot of sophisticated chords, you could call them. I, I like that. I use 13s and 9s and flat et etc. And then someone else told me that, Randy Newman obviously had a big influence on me because his lyric. I had never heard of Randy Newman, so I went and bought a Randy Newman <laughs> album, and I could see that too. He just uses a lot of imagery in his in his lyrics, and I like to do that as well. You know, that's so funny you say Steely Dan because I was talking to my wife yesterday. We were listening to some of your music yesterday, and I said, "Man, he had to have some kind of Steely Dan influence because I was hearing that as well. I heard a Steely Dan influence, but it's it's subconsciously or whatever. I mean." We never know how music affects us. Uh, you can hear a song and something comes to your head, and you're not you're not copying an artist. You're just using that inspiration to create something new. And I don't know. It's just and like I said, you'd never heard of Steely Dan, so it surely wasn't Steely Dan. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting that in a sense, all music is derivative. Way back, way back in the in the '60s, I was in a group called Eternity's Children. Had my first Billboard chart record was called Mrs. Bluebird, but it, it only went to like number fifty. But we were recording with Papa Don Schroeder in Pensacola, Florida, at the Amy Malibel Studios. Papa Don Schroeder was one that get uh, 
pull another string, da 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 da. I'm your puppet. And some, I, I forget who the artist was on that, that song, but anyway, I'd written a song and it, it reminded me of something, and I couldn't place it. So I went to Papa Don and I played the song for. Him. I said, "This is." Reminds me of something. I don't want to be copying anybody. He said, "Bruce." He said, "Let me tell you something, son." He said, "In the in the a year before King James signed the back the Carter, the court jester came in and he said, "Hey, King, listen to this song I wrote." Da 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 da. Which was Louis Louis, you know. He said, "Don't worry about that. Just write your song." That's pretty good advice there. So what do you find yourself doing in your spare time when you're not recording, making music, out touring? Well, I ride a bike and I lift weights. That's, uh, <laughs> other than that, I, I write, arrange, or record five, six hours every day because that's what I love doing. Now, are you a family man, kids, grandkids? Yeah, I got two kids. got three grandkids. They're all terrific. Does, do they ever get to tour with you? Uh, well, my wife did. We went to some of them. We'd go out to L.A. and do what we call good stuff, you know, doing TV shows and playing Disney and and several other parks and stuff like that. So, what do your grandkids think about it when they see? You know, I don't I don't know what your nickname is from your grandkids, but pop pops or whatever. But what do they think when they see some of your old footage of you on stage on some of these big shows? They can't believe that's the same guy they know now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm old, you know, uh, old to them is thirty. Yeah. That's true. That's true. I'm old myself. I'm I'm fifty six, and uh, you know, my grandkids look at me like I'm old. You know, yeah, Santa Claus. <laughs> Well, Bruce, it's been fun chatting with you today. I'd like you to to introduce your your new single here and uh, let folks hear it because I really think it's a great tune. Okay, well, uh, this is Starbuck and our new single, I Love Doing Nothing. Here it is, folks. If not for music, this is Big Skinny. Until next time, take care. Well, I caught a little look upon the evening breeze. The turquoise sea, it speaks to me, my mind's at ease. And ice cold gold corona Block it out what I don't wanna see Like on TV Well I'm looking good and smiling big I got it made Just wait until the evening sun pulls down the sheet A long toss senorita Making a margarita just for me Waiting for the rising tide that'll lift my boat to freedom. All the girls in Cozumel, I just can't wait to leave them. I need another Jose day while well, I'm dreaming about my getaway to a purple sunset and a pumpkin moon. I'll be doing nothing Just doing nothing Ain't nothing new The ocean 
Ocean calls my name in twenty shades of blue. I need a cold mojito. Gotta get away from where I'm at. I could flat do that. Waiting for the rising tide that'll lift my boat to freedom. All the girls in Cozumel, I just can't wait to meet them. I need another Jose day. Well, I'm dreaming about my getaway to a purple sunset and a pumpkin moon. I'll be doing nothing. Just doing nothing. I love doing nothing. I'll be doing nothing. Just doing nothing.